Episode 85, Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Lawyer Tillman. Clarence Weathers. How about that? Wow. Just blew your mind. How about that? Showing my age. Okay. Well, speaking of Browns-type stuff, we've had some interesting drama, I guess you could say, with (laughs) Baker Mayfield and the potential, uh, well, not the potential, but the new quarterback that we're going to have for $233 million guaranteed mm-hmm. to Sean Watson. Yeah. yeah. It's that's it's been an interesting couple of weeks. You know, it's I don't know. It just shows you how sports work. One day you're the hero. The next day you're pretty much you're about done. You're done. And then nobody wants you. That yeah. it's that fast. Baker Mayfield thought he was the the cat's meow and I guess he's the the cat litter maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Seems very interesting. I don't feel bad for the guy. He's still going to make $18 million. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, so he's, he's not, uh, he's not starving. He's not eating uh, ramen noodles and tuna fish. That's for sure. No, no, absolutely not. It's uh, I don't know. I've just seen a lot of things on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram about, you know, he's still going to support the Browns based on what they're doing and all this other stuff. My two cents on this whole thing, I think it's a very easy synopsis. When they put the helmets and pads on starting in September, mm-hmm. I think everybody's going to just continue and just sit there and watch. That's I, I agree. And the only other thing I'd say, yeah, he's been, a, he's, he's been accused of some bad things, and we got to figure out if he did those things. But the last time I checked, the way the judicial system works here in, in our country is you're innocent until proven guilty. Uh-huh. And... I'm not saying he's, uh, you know, the greatest, you know, uh, role model of all time, but, you know, hey, uh, Ken, you you didn't wear the blue shirt yesterday. You are, I'm accusing you of not wearing a blue shirt. Now, if you wore a blue shirt yesterday, I still have to prove my, you know, accusation. So, you know, it just just because somebody's accused of something. Yeah. There's a lot of people who say he did something wrong. So let's see how it plays out. I, yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to go to the same number of games I went to last year. You're still waiting to go to one, right? I, I haven't been. No, I don't know. I don't think I've ever maybe paid to go to one game at the new stadium. Maybe one. I paid for one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've paid for one. Other, other than that, I've gotten free tickets. Yeah. So that's the only time yeah. I'm going. Now, does it bother you that, well, let's be honest, I think it's going to be Deshaun Watson. Does it concern you that Deshaun Watson's salary, I'm not sure if this year, because this year he might be only making a million dollars, but next year Mm -hmm. is more than the entire salary of the Cleveland Indians. Does that concern you at all? Uh, Well, does it concern isn't the word. It makes me chuckle. I concern. I don't, you know, I mean, it's sports. I used to live and die with sports. And now as I've uh, gotten a little older, it's not as big a deal, but it, it does uh, make me wonder, you know, either one of two things, either the ownership of the Indians isn't spending as much money as they should, or baseball has a revenue problem. Yeah. And I think it's probably a little of both, but you know, who am I to tell a, a millionaire or billionaire how to spend their money? 
hundred percent correct. I agree. And there's other teams that have won based on lower salaries and all that stuff for the entire team. But it really does make you scratch your head. Cause I don't know if you necessarily have this in other sports, you certainly don't in football. You certainly don't in basketball. And I don't think you have in hockey, but in baseball, you have Scherzer. Yeah. Max Scherzer, I believe the is the gentleman's name who plays for the Dodgers and he's making $46 million this year. Yeah. And the Indians payroll is going to be like 39. I mean, it is what it is. It does seem sort of messed up. That's yeah. all. That's kind of yeah. Uh, and we'd feel the same way if that was in the NFL where the Steelers had, you know, one player making more than our team. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. wow, that doesn't really add up, but absolutely. I don't know. Strange times, but not my problem. It's not my money. No, it's not my money. I don't have anything like that, but uh, I'll tell you what I do have is a, a list of what's coming up on this show. We talked sports a little here. We're going to talk sports a little bit later on in our Cleveland sports history segment. We're going to talk about a free throw record. A former Cavalier had. Some fifth graders in Indiana create a nice hotline. We'll explain in our good news segment. Our guest this week is an expert in household toxics. And I'm not talking about your in-laws, no. But uh, this uh, young lady is going to talk about some of the things you probably have in your house but shouldn't. We have a misspeak of the week this weekend, and it is not from President Biden. Wow. Ken is out and about again. We'll hear about that. And in Klopp's clips, you won't believe what a man tried to steal. Oh, he's back. It's time for another segment of Hey Coach, where we get insight that you don't get anywhere else from Coach, because we all know how important coaches can be in life. And so we have some questions that you, the listeners, have uh, asked. And so we're going to pass those along to Coach and get some feedback. Coach, how are you? And uh, I hear, uh, how's the wife and family? I hear that uh, your wife, Susan, uh, had something interesting happen this week. How, how, tell us wh what's going on with Susan. You keep my wife out of your mouth. I don't want to hear another thing about my wife coming out of your mouth. Don't. Ridiculous. Please don't slap me. All right. Well, our first question comes from uh, John in Strongsville. And he writes, hey, coach, did you see the Academy Awards? And what did you think of Chris Rock and Will Smith? I don't think we need to recap this because if you don't know what happened, I don't know where you've been. So, coach, what do you think of Chris Rock and Will Smith? Bunch of if the guy's gonna hit him, hit him really hard so you knock him the f out. All right, uh, Ken, you want to take the next question? Absolutely, Coach. Do you have any thoughts about the NCAA tournament or how Cleveland State did this year? I don't have time to watch other teams play basketball. I'm focusing on my team. That's it. Okay, Coach. Uh, thank you. You could try this one, Ted. Yeah, I think he's laser focused. But anyhow, Coach, we have another question here. Well, we were talking about this in the uh, first segment. The salary for one Major League Baseball player this year is going to be more, at least right now, more than 
the entire Cleveland Guardians roster. What are your thoughts on that bit of financial news? My thoughts are fill your f***ing pockets if you can, because God knows the government's going to steal all your f***ing Okay, you want to take the next one? I will try. I really didn't expect to get yelled at or you get yelled at this much. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I, we don't have any more, right? It's, I mean, he seems I unstable. I don't have any more. Do you have any more? I got one more. Oh, one more. Coach, have you ever had a good day or a day where you didn't yell at somebody? Not at all, you freaking jack. All right. Oh. Well, uh, this could be the last time we do this segment. I'm not sure, but... Uh, this segment of the show, four letters, NSFW. Uh, for sure, yes. Hey, Coach. Cleveland! This is for you! Time for another uh, Cleveland sports history lesson with our Cleveland sports expert, Dusty Sloan. Dusty, today we're talking about April 2nd, 1993. Cavs guard Mark Price, one of the greatest free throw shooters of all time, has his consecutive free throw streak ended 77 in a 114-113 loss to Charlotte. This uh, streak falls one short of Calvin Murphy's record in the NBA of 78 straight three free throws. And dare I say, had he made that free throw, they would have gone to overtime and won the game. <laughs> or at least that's what I'm going with. Well, it's, it's amazing. We were talking about doing this topic, and I looked up Mark Price, and obviously everybody has a lot of fond memories of Price and Doherty and Nance and Hot Rod and Elo and all those great teams in the late 80s. But I kind of forgot how how good Mark Price was. You look at these statistics and you talk about the free throws 77 in a row. He ended his career shooting 90.4% from the foul line. So his entire career, he, he made nine of every 10 free throws, which you just don't see in the NBA anymore. Everybody wants the sports center highlights and the dunks and the three pointers and all that. But Mark Price was a dominant point guard in his time. Oh, he certainly was. And the, and the funny part about Mark Price, he was not a first round draft pick. He came in the second round. Yeah. And uh, certainly when he you know, was coming out of Georgia Tech, many people were like, you know, can this guy play? And there was concerns so much so that the Cavs the following year, if you remember this, Dusty, actually drafted Kevin Johnson, yep. who was a first round pick. And from the stories that I've heard recently with some interviews that I've heard from Mark Price, Mark had to work his rear end off. And Kevin Johnson was hurt, and Mark basically worked him his way into the uh, rotation, became a starter, and then Kevin Johnson was was traded off to Phoenix to get Larry Nance. I mean, that's that's just to show you the type of player Mark Price was. He was a good player, but not a great player, and almost didn't have a spot with the Cavs. That's right. Mark Price was very much a self-made basketball player, four-time All-Star, four-time All NBA, and you look at the forty-eight minutes a game, and he and in those big years that the Cavs had in his mid twenties, he was averaging 36, 37, 35 minutes a game. So he was a durable player. The one year he was hurt in 1991, he only played in 16 games, but he was out there most of the time, 70, 80 games a year. And we were winning and it was an exciting time. And he was right there in the middle of it. Mark Price. The great Howie Chiswick would say, you know, it was always interesting. I, uh, 
saw Mark Price. I was next to him at a, uh, a media scrum at one point, and it really put into perspective the size of these NBA players because Mark Price looked like a midget next to most of the guys of the team, and he's taller than the average person. What is he? Six one, I think, was uh, a six foot or six one. Six foot one seventy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, it just it's amazing because you know he's compared to most of the NBA guys, he's not tall at all, but he certainly made it work. He certainly did. Now, guys, I got a question for you. Ready? Mm-hmm. Who who was the point guard who replaced Mark Price? Uh, it was uh, uh, Terrell Brandon. Yes. Correct. Yes. I could see his face. It took me a second. Yep. And you yeah. got to remember during those times too, Mark Price, who was, okay, let's throw this one out there. <laughs> Do you know, besides Kevin Johnson, who was Mark Price's backup? Mm. Oh, it was, it was John Bagley at one point, wasn't it? It was, and Price kind of took over for him. But later on, there was another guy who's sort of famous who was the backup. For Mark Price. Oh, good mm. Lord. Um, oh, Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. How about that? I was going to say Steve Kerr, but I thought he – I couldn't remember if he was point guard or shooting guard. Yeah, he's a point guard. Okay. And then the funny part about Mark Price, and obviously just a couple more quick things with him, he kind of changed the game to an extent. He was a leading scorer point guard, which you did not see a lot of, <laughs> six foot tall. And the other thing is if you look at the way he played – he would have a very good pick and roll situation with Larry Nance mm, or Brad absolutely. Doherty, but he found a way it was, it was the old pick and pop. If you remember. So mm-hmm. there would be a guy that would certainly, you know, Doherty would block the, the guy that's guarding price. And then he would roll to the basket. But at the same time, Doherty would then look in another direction because price would get open and <laughs> he'd find a way to get through some of the screens and all that stuff. I mean, he kind of changed, and we don't talk about that much. He kind of changed the way the game was played with smaller point guards. Doesn't it get you upset a little bit? You talk about that and how well they played off each other. If Brad Doherty stays healthy in those years, do we win an NBA title? Mm. Well, you got to throw that in the mix. And then also if they didn't trade Ron Harper. Yep. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it. And if uh, Craig Elo covered uh, Michael, oh, never mind. He did his best. <clears throat> no, sorry. Okay. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just move on from that. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, Dusty. Thanks guys. Cleveland. This is for you. Miss speak of the week. Now, Ken vice president Kamala Harris spoke in Louisiana last week. We have a portion of her speech here. Can you tell what the subject was. Listen closely. Talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. The significance of the passage of time. That, that seems to be the the prevailing topic in that in that speech there, or at least that answer or that comment. Now, Harris's trip to Louisiana was to highlight the necessity of bringing high speed broadband internet to communities. Hmm. Was not the significance of the passage of time. How many times could she get that in there? 
what you heard there. Four times in 24 seconds, Ken. The significance of the passage of time. We all have this. I think it's like a crutch word for her. She's yeah. got a crutch word. Got significance crutch of the passage of time. Yeah. Crutch phrase. All right. Well, that's speaking of the significance of the passage of time. That's the misspeak of the week. Ted, the time has come to talk about the things that you can really buy in a wonderful segment. You can really buy this. Now, as you know, I've always come up with some items that are a little bit different, a little bit off the wall, and I figured this would be a great time as we head into spring for people to get some wonderful gifts for Easter and all the summertime fun that they want to have. Well, you know, we're just... Uh, a couple days from April Fool's Day, so maybe some of these gifts will could could su- support that. That's, yeah, there's a possibility. You make the decision. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. All right. Okay. First item is called Hander Pants, and basically what it is is when regular gloves are just too boring. Board. So basically what these are, literally underpants for your hands. And it's like little small pieces of underwear that you put your fingers through. And uh, you just basically put them on your palms. Worn as gloves or undergloves. Oh. Hander pants. Hander pants. Hander pants, yes. Just the way it sounds. And you could obviously get all these items from many different sources. Okay. On the internet, of course. Yeah, hand, hand or paint. One of the weirdest things I've ever seen or heard of, unicorn meat. Yes. There's a dismembered stuffed unicorn in the can, which is, you know, totally whatever unicorn lover would love to see. Well, sure. Sparkles. Yeah. Spark- but it's... Rainbows. You can't eat it, though. It's oh, just a, it's a can. It looks like in the, the can that's like, that you would buy spam in. And it just says unicorn meat from Radiant Farms. What, what are you supposed to do? Give that to children to traumatize them or what? Could be. Well, well that's. <laughs> yeah, I think my daughter would struggle with that. She likes Oh, unicorns. my gosh. Yeah, that's uh, it's to put some pictures up on Twitter. These these would certainly it's very disturbing. Uh, I think we've talked about this before. The potty putter is always nice. You can just stay active on the toilet. Obviously, utilize your time. But here's another one as well to go with the potty putter because for people out there, sometimes you don't like to golf, but you like to fish. So there's the potty fisher. So you have both options. So, Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Inflatable toast. That'd be a good uh, April Fool's Day. Inflatable toast. Yeah, comes in a little can, and then you basically you basically blow it up, and it looks like toast. What do you do? It's not really toast. You just look at it. You look at it. Yep. (laughs) You just think it's a piece of bread. You're gonna try to eat it, but it's you know it's made out of plastic. Toast. I think one thing you can use is the yodeling pickle. Oh. Yep. Yep. Basically, listen to an electronic pickle making yodeling noises for hours. I think that would be a huge hit at your household. I, I, uh, I think I'm going to hide those throughout the house. Yes. Several of them. Yes. Um, this would be a good April Fool's joke. Pickle flavored mints. 
Oh. If you really like the taste of pickles, that's the theme, I guess, today. If you like the taste oh. of pickles? Pickle-flavored mints? For pregnant women. Yes. An ice cream lot. I know this is a big deal. It would be a big deal at my house. There's certain types of ice cream that I really like to have, but if I don't want anyone to have that, it's an ice cream lot. It's, you got to put a three-digit combination on the top of uh, your Ben and Jerry's ice cream, whatever ice cream you have, and the only way you get in is uh, you got to unlock the code. Oh, okay. Last two items for you. The cheeseburger costume. It's exactly what you think it is. Okay. Your this head would early. be a cheeseburger. And then the, the body is, is also a uh, is a bun. I think you would it's enjoy an early, that. early uh, uh, Halloween uh, suggestion. Yes. And then finally, this is the one I think I would enjoy. Marshmallows, but it's the marshmallows that you have in Lucky Charms. Now, here's the part that's outstanding. You can get eight pounds of this. Eight pounds of marshmallows. The cost will be about 50 bucks. Strange gift. You could tell then everybody that you found the Lucky Charms. All you got to do is pay 50 bucks. And okay. you get eight pounds of it. Eight uh, pounds. Eight pounds of Lucky Charms. Would you eat that in one sitting? Maybe. I was hungry enough. I don't think I could. Unless I got one of the little little elves to sit there with me. Re eat it right out of the pot. All right. So those are the items that you, you can really buy this. I'll start getting some of those items for you to get ready for the spring and the summer. Thank you. Another edition of This Week in Cleveland History, which of course means we are joined by John Grabowski. And John, I have an interesting topic today because I believe this area has changed tremendously throughout the years. <laughs> and it would be the flats. I've spent a lot of time there and I know Ted has as well, but we'd love to get a little bit of a history lesson on the flats if you could today, sir. Sure. Yeah, the, the, the flats, indeed, they have changed. They're continuing to change. And you have to remember that when Cleveland was established on, on 1796, it was established on the hill on the uh, east side of the flats. Uh, the west side of the flats was still in Native American ownership until 1805. And so this flats is the floodplain of the Cuyahoga River. And, and obviously it's not a straight river. And so east side and west side kind of intermingle, if you will. Uh, and both communities were, were started on the hillside to Ohio City on the west of Cleveland. The Flats for a while was a place that you, you really didn't want to go into because it was swampy and malarial, but it was important <laughs> because, uh, because Superior Avenue, the, the main street of Cleveland, literally went down the hill into the Flats because that's where the commerce was going to come in. And, uh -huh. and, that, and that commerce really began to, to boom uh, a, in the 1820s, when we got money from the federal government to take out a sandbar, which really made this, the, uh, the river flow slowly, and that sort of got the malaria out, if you will. And then in 1832, when the Ohio and Erie Canal was completed, the flats became a booming area for commerce. Uh, the Oxbow District, Merwin Street, which is where John D. Rockefeller got his start uh, in a, in a uh, commodities house, so all that boomed. And the, the, the rush for land in the flats uh, is epitomized by a place called Gravity Place, called Cleveland Center. Uh, it's along Columbus Road, and that was pioneered in the early 1830s uh, 
they knew the flats was going to boom and a group of investors bought it and they laid out radial streets, British Street, French Street, Bruins Wharf, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the park and restaurant is, is on that part. So it was really going to grow, but then there was a financial panic in the late 1830s and that stymied it. But the flats became the industrial center of Cleveland. So by the 1880s, uh, the city mayor referred to the Cuyahoga River as a sewer flowing through the center of the city. And so you had ore boats going up and down the flats, you know, that they were going, there were ship manufacturers down there. There was a sewing machine company over there. You can find any business and industry you want. The Cleveland's first railroad, the Cleveland, Columbus and Cincinnati entered Cleveland from the west side, crossed the flats, went up the hill to near where West 9th Street was. So the railroads came in. The Erie Railroad maintained a station there until the late 1940s was under the Superior Avenue Viaduct. It was a working place. It, it was a real bar, real working man's place, a smoky, dirty, a polluted, uh, but busy. And it was really the heart of Cleveland industry. And as industry began to uh, pair down, people looked at that ambiance and kind of said, well, we can capture that and make it a tourist site. And it's interesting because we were talking about Higby's. Herb Strawbridge, who was the head of Higby's, was the first person to really envision changing the flats in the late 60s, early 70s into sort of a bar tourist district. Mm -hmm. and, and that's when the change occurred. And there have been, I think, at least three iterations of the flats since that time uh, on the East Bank and the West Bank. So, you know, if you go to the aquarium now, it's the old powerhouse that powered the streetcars. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, and, and if you go to, on the East Bank where Ernst & Young is, where their building is, that, that's where there were gas holders. Uh, they encountered those when they were digging the uh, foundations for it. Uh, the river now is a sporting river. It's, it's cleaned up so you can see crew on the river. Interestingly, Cleveland had rowing clubs in the 1850s, and, uh, and they were started by the young, wealthy people in Cleveland. And uh, they lasted really until about the Civil War, and the Civil War staunched that. And by the end of the Civil War, you know, the, the river was too crowded and too dirty to row in. And so we're, we're, we've really come back. I mean, there's a good story. We have the minute books of one of the rowing clubs. Uh, it's called the Yidrad, Y-D-R-A-D uh, club. And uh, these are all 20-year-old guys and, uh, and they're wealthy enough to buy a boat. And, and one of the minute books said, we adjourned the meeting and we voted to go to Rocky River and get drunk. <laughs> John, I might, I might have put some information in that book. I yeah, I, uh, well, yeah. That yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's really, it's really interesting to see how that has shifted uh, from, from you know, the, the heart of industry um, uh, to, to a totally recreational place. And yeah, I find it amazing that you can fish in the river now because people who <laughs> grew up in Cleveland in the '40s, '50s, '60s realized that river was not a place to go. No. That was not a place you'd want to eat out of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the flats does have its seedier aspects now. I mean, it's strip joints that are still down there. Right. You know, and the, the Samsung Rope building has just been uh, sold, and that's going to be repurposed. So they're looking at the East Bank again and, and doing some work on that. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing what's happened. And, of course, you've got Stonebridge condominiums, which are built at the edge of the first high-level viaduct to go over. Uh, the flats that's 1878 i believe that's the old superior viaduct mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now uh 
aside from the, the industrial and entertainment area of the flats that everybody in Cleveland thinks of as the flats, there's the, I guess it's all, is it all salt? The rest of it is all mined salt. If you get out a little farther from the, from the river, is that what's yeah, well, over that, in that area? Yeah, the, the, the salt mines are under Lake Erie. Uh, right. And, Geology of Cleveland, and and so that that used to be Axel Noble, and I forget what it is now, but uh, the rock salt that we put on our streets comes out of that. And it's very very important, and there's a huge huge uh, salt mine down there. Uh, there are pictures of it. I don't know if you can still tour it at what time you could, but I think the liability is too great. But yeah, there's a salt mine there, and you know one of the best views of the flats really are from the flats is Lakeview Terrace. The uh, Roosevelt era public housing just uh, on the near west side of Cleveland, which comes right down the hill from West 25th Street. Uh, so, mm -hmm. I, I seem to recall when the uh, Browns left town and oh, we're going to build a new stadium, there was some consideration to putting the new stadium in the flats. Hmm. Do you know much about that, John? Can you shed any light on that? No, I don't. I know that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was supposed to be behind the terminal into the flat. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. And, uh, there have been a, you know, multiple uh, attempts or plans to, you know, cut the river through street in the flats, and that that's never going to occur. But that that's been planned <laughs> at times. Uh -huh. uh, and I think the ultimate irony of the flats is that you know you still see people on paddle boards, you see people on you know in uh, small uh, small power boats. At the same time, you're seeing ore freighters still going up to the flats, and that river has to be dredged every year to make that possible. Huh. John, last question. I mean, you've seen the changes, good and bad and ugly, and I've never heard anything described as swampy and malarian. That's the first <laughs> time I've heard that. It's just outstanding. Yeah. But you've seen all the changes. Are you surprised? I haven't seen swampy and malaria. That's way before my time. <laughs> Are you surprised to see the changes to the point where that the flats, the number one business down there is basically entertainment. Is that yeah. is that surprising to you? Yeah, it is in a way. But I worked in the flats in the late 1960s. And you could already see that coming at that point. Uh, and the other irony about it is if you're looking at what's happening in Tremont, you know, people are building condominiums on the edge of the, of the valley. And that's a place that you didn't want to be before because all the smoke and fumes and everything else were coming there. So, that, you know, some of the highest priced real estate in Cleveland has a river view now. Huh, yeah. Flats. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Well, John, thank you so much. Once again, a top-notch history lesson on the flats. We really appreciate your time. Okay, my pleasure, guys. Take care. We have another overachiever, Ken. I'm sorry to say it's not me and it's not you. Ridiculous. David Rush. David Rush is the guy's name. He submitted a video for a new world record Missed bumping 152 people in a minute. He says this was mostly a logistical challenge. He was at a conference and got everybody involved, had 157 people lined up and made it through all of them in 58 seconds. However, when he reviewed video, 
in slow motion, he decided that some probably won't count because they didn't make solid head-on contact. <clears throat> There's apparently some... some so some he bumped, but there. it was there was no touch. A bump yeah. and no touch, okay? Now, the 36-year-old from Idaho owns more than 200 Guinness World Records. David wow. Rush does. Among his records, fastest 100-meter dash while juggling blindfolded, most juggling catches in a minute, okay. most ping-pong balls caught in shaving foam on the head, and most peas eaten with a toothpick in 30 seconds. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. And of many talents. David Rush. David Rush. Clearly. Impressive. Clearly has too much time on his hands. Clearly an overachiever. Ted, we were out and about the last two weeks. Oh, good. I, I do go? think people are go? listening. Some of the some of the places that I've mentioned during our out and about segment have now followed us on Instagram, which I thought. Oh was yeah, great. oh so, that's yeah. cool. All right. Well, so let's see. Pick up the followers this week. Well, we started this week. We did celebrate Awen's birthday, which was fun. oh, happy 29th. She's actually 25. I got. I have a. Um, I have the remnants of a bet she lost that I'd like to give her for her birthday. Just pass it along. Oh, yeah. I got that. Yeah. Dressing up as a cheeseburger. Perfect. Uh, well, yeah, sure. We'll go. Yes. With All right. I went to with a one LJ Shanghai. That's actually not far from uh, the facility there on oh. Superior. Great place. Okay. Great food. Some of these I've gone to before. Noble Beast. Yeah. Um, Went to the Spotted Owl. Have you ever been to the Spotted Owl? Spotted Owl, no. It's in Tremont. Great place. It's a cocktail bar. Really good food. Um, small bites, but uh, very good cocktails. Uh-huh. Went to Panini's. How about this mix? This is oh. a this is a mix. This is this is my life. This is where I'm at. So, trying to get you know, experiencing my faith, all that fun stuff. Went to Stations on the Cross one on one evening, and then after that, went to Panini's. Okay. I think that's completely two different things. I don't know if that's usually the plan, but we did that. Um, <clears throat> really good place that I highly recommend if you like Chinese, Japanese fare, Siam Cafe, another place in, in Cleveland, which is really good. We had an opportunity to see a show at the Beachland Ballroom. Oh, um, what show? We saw a concert. Yeah. Um, local groups. Very cool. Have you been to the Beachland, by the way? I don't believe so. It is. It is well worth going to. You, you okay. would really enjoy it. Okay. Um, great crowd, great food. Um, and once again, very good drinks. Hats off wow. to our friends at Cool Beans and Medina. Uh, Laura Cavey has been on our show multiple times. I was there. A place I didn't expect to go. I had a lunch meeting there is at uh, BJ's Restaurant in North Olmstead. So it's a chain, but uh, they had some really good specials. It was wonderful. Of course, a place that you know very well, very close. Danny's Deli. Danny's Deli. Yep. Never go wrong. Always consistent. Such nice people. 
um, El Taco Loco in Brunswick. My daughter and I spent some Thursdays there. And then yeah. the place that I wanted to highlight today. Yes. It's been a long time since I've been there. Technically, at one point in time, when I lived in Medina, I shared a parking lot with them. It, the restaurant's called Time Two. So I had the daddy-daughter dance two mm. weeks ago, which mm -hmm. is the first time we've had that in two weeks. Or two weeks, two years. Two years. Two years. It was really cool. We had a great time. I got dressed up. You know, it's tough when you're obese, but you do your <laughs> best. But uh, my daughter looked beautiful. We had a great time. So I wanted to take her kind of to a nicer place than what we usually go to. So we go to time two and um, it was wonderful. The people there were outstanding. They knew exactly why we were there. I mean, they took her through the menu. They, they treated us super, super nice. So hats off to uh, time two in Medina nice. for just making a great experience for my daughter and I. And then uh, I rocked it out Ted, at that daddy daughter. Yeah. dance. I, I got after it. Oh yeah. I really did. A lot of, a lot of dancing, a lot of jumping around. Jumping around. And a lot of standing with the dads in the back of the room as the daughters danced around. That's what okay. that, a lot of that was. Now, now at the daddy or, or for the daddy daughter dance, do you give the daughter a corsage? Is that part of the deal? I actually I didn't go with the corsage. I went with just flowers. Oh, okay. so I figured right, that's something enough. that she could have. But very yeah, nice. there's other people that did that. So okay, it was All very right. cool. So okay, Ted, we were. You, did she show you any uh, special uh, moves? Any uh, what is she? Fifth grade? Fourth grade? Fourth grade. Yeah, I have one more Great. year of the daddy-daughter dance. Did she no, show you it's... any fourth grade moves? That's no. Okay. I, you know, I, I think the dad showed the, the daughters some more moves. But <laughs> you, you got to keep a PC. I mean, the, those well, are the that's true. You can't be doing some of the stuff you would see at a normal wedding. Well, so, that's no, I, I definitely do do anything like I did at your wedding. I'll just leave. Oh, well, we, it's, that's that's for the uh, Patreon version of the show. Yeah, that's the not safe for work part okay. of the show. So. Okay. But, uh, out and about again, Ted. Wonderful time. Please continue to follow us. And, and thank you for all the local restaurants and bars and all that that do everything they do for us. Out and about, man. Ken, time for some good news. A fifth grade class in Indiana has created a special hotline called When Life Gives You Lemons, Call a Fifth Grader. That's the fifth cool. grader. Yeah, the fifth grade teacher at Milford School in Wawasee says she came up with the idea after reading about a similar project by a California kindergarten class. The hotline offers five different options in English and Spanish. You, you can uh, get jokes, advice, inspiration. And if you want to get a taste of fifth grade education, you can see if you're smarter than a fifth grader. I'll give I the number it. here in case uh, folks want to call it. Yeah. It's 574-832-4965. Let me say that one more time. 574-832-4965. So there we go. That's outstanding. Some inspiration. Some good news from fifth graders. Unless, of course, you press option one and you find out that you're not smarter than a fifth grader. Our guest today is a household toxins health specialist. That sounds like a very important job. 
She's also the owner of the Green Living Gurus and Teas Organics. What all this means is that she can tell us what some things are that we have in our house that are unhealthy. And I'm not just talking about the chocolate cake you have on the counter, Ken. Just so we're clear on that. Yep. Yeah. So let's talk with T. Fortin Barnes. T, thanks for your time. So what is a household toxins health specialist? Am I... Am I remotely close here? This isn't necessarily food. It's other things in the home, right? Yeah, you're doing a very good job so far. Yes, absolutely. So I help families reduce their chemical exposure in their homes, uh, known ingredients and um, getting them to know ingredients and labels of various different products that they use, that they bring into their homes that can cause headaches, as simple as headaches, migraines, runny noses, itchy eyes, sore throats, hives, wheezing that they think are from, you know, the, the pollen or something, but it could be from all these chemicals they're putting on their body, around their body. And many of them are also known to cause uh, various illnesses that are uh, serious, such as cancer, uh, heart conditions, um, weakened immune systems, and the list goes on and on and on. See, this is a really interesting topic. I mean, I think many of us, obviously the listeners and then Ted and myself, we go to the store, we just buy something that we need to, you know, certainly clean the house, clean the toilet, all that kind of stuff. My question for you, is there something specific that we should be looking at when we're looking at these different items that we're buying? Is there certain things we should try to avoid? And obviously, I imagine you have specific brands and things like that, that would be healthy. Is that correct? Absolutely. And you know, it's a wild world out there with all these chemicals because the, the chemical companies are uh, worth billions and they are always um, lobbying Washington and fighting against anybody like me or any products that are out there trying to let you know that this is a serious issue that people don't know it. And they're, they're trying to get you to look the other way and think, Oh, all natural, or, Oh, it's got aloe in it. It's okay. Or uh, that it's got a natural fragrance in it. But the realistic part of this is that you really need to look at your labels, just like you need to look at your labels of anything you eat. And the prop, the main problem is our, our food is regulated. Pharmaceuticals and food are regulated. So they have to prove to the FDA that anything that they're putting on the market is safe, even though I don't agree they're all safe, but at least we know they're being tested. So on the other end of all these products, other products, personal care products, makeup, cleaning supplies, laundry detergent, you name it, there's the policy in the United States is they're innocent until proven guilty, unlike in the European Union, which everything has to be tested and they have to prove it's uh, good for you before it goes on the market. So here we have this horrible system that anything you pick up at the shelf, let's just say at a Rite Aid or CVS or any kind of um, pharmacy, you don't necessarily, we don't necessarily know that has really been tested to be okay. And uh in recent years, there has been a lot of companies now testing some of these products. And just this past fall, there was uh, deodorant. I think it was deodorant. It was, I know it was sunscreen, deodorant, sunscreen, and one other product that there's this company in Massachusetts that actually uh, went, Valisure it's called, and they tested the ingredients in 
um, let's just take the sunscreen, 30 different, pro uh, they found benzene. It's a known carcinogen. It's not even legal and it's in sunscreen. So you're baking, besides all the other chemicals that are in sunscreen, you think you're doing a good job by putting sunscreen on your skin because it's supposedly the sun is causing cancer, but you're baking cancer causing chemicals into your skin. So I have the belief that it's the chemicals in the sunscreen that is causing the cancer, not necessarily the sun. Mm -hmm. And this, and so many of those chemicals and, uh, you know, are um, not only cancer causing, they're also messing with our whole endocrine cycle, men and women. So the endocrine cycle is, um, is, is the, a lot of these chemicals mimic estrogen. So that's a whole nother, I mean, so the list goes on and on and on. And it's, it's a wild, and when I say it's a wild world out there, it is because you just have to start to look at your labels and you really have to read what's on those labels and not read the front because the front, they're going to try to make you believe it's okay for you and it's healthy and it's okay. And they're also, the only other problem is they do not necessarily have to list all the ingredients on the label because the one, and you asked this at the beginning, so sorry, this is a long answer to your question. <laughs> but if you, if I, I always tell everybody, if you can eliminate one thing from everything that you're using, whether it's uh, um, deodorant, uh, shampoo, uh, conditioner, shaving cream, um, cleaning supplies, laundry soap, the, the nasty word out there, and we call this in my world of healthy living, we call it the other F word is fragrance. Mm. So the word fragrance is on so many products. And if you even have a product anywhere near you, you pick that up, look at the back. And if it says fragrance or parfum or perfume, if that word is on there, they do not have to disclose the ingredients in their product that they consider in the title of fragrance. And that is a law that goes back to the 1940s from the perfume industries that went to the government and said, well, wait, we don't want to tell you what's in our products because it was Chanel number five that started this with one other perfume company and said, well, if we tell you what's in Chanel number five, it's everybody's going to copy it. So we'd like to say, you know, keep it as a trade secret, our fragrance. So mm. that has, that has gone on. We're in 2022 now, and it's still on labels as a trade secret. And what these companies do is they hide their ingredients behind mm. the word fragrance. And that is where I believe benzene's coming from and formaldehyde and all these other chemicals that you won't find on the label, but they're gonna be in the product. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then on top of that, all the other words that you can't pronounce on, um, some of these products that <laughs> I have a rule, if I can't pronounce it, it's not coming in my house. Um, or if I don't know what it is, it's, you know, I would never put it on my skin because your skin is your largest organ. So if you're putting anything on your skin, it's going into your bloodstream. It's going into your system. There's no doubt about it. And um, so that's, that's the number one thing I, I try to get people to look at uh, when they're buying anything. I mean, I could tell you 30 more things, but that's like the number one rule I have. So you mentioned fragrance. Are there some other, um, what do I want to say? Some red light items or, or item groups that are commonly found in homes that we should be wary of uh, versus others? Are there some that are uh, uh, in the group of uh, more offenders than uh, others? 
So are you meaning um, chemicals? Well, what I mean is, are there other things that we put in our house that we think is okay? Like in general, are um, the manufacturers of, uh, what is this, skin lotion, are those more dangerous than uh, somebody who makes uh, scissors? I don't know. I'm just giving you an example. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, skin lotion, you know, again, skin lotion is right there with so anything that goes on your body. Um, there's ingredients in them that, and there's, and there's alternative. Let's just talk about that too, because there are so many alternatives out there that these chemicals, these, these toxins that they're putting in lotions and other things you're using, uh, aren't necessarily, um, they don't absolutely have to be in these products, but they're cheap. And they're very inexpensive when these companies are making these big batches and Johnson and Johnson and all these other big names that are making these batches of uh, lotions. And one, one word is parabens. Parabens is, um, there's four different types of parabens. That's in a lot of products. Now you're gonna see a lot of products that are out there now that say paraben free. Um, which is great, but unfortunately, then they turn around and put another chemical in there that, for some reason, they think they need it. And and then the only and then the other problem with all these chemicals, they smell. Chemicals smell. I, I mean, we all know that from taking science class, right? Growing up, um, or even just opening up a can of or not can of um, Clorox. I mean, chemicals have an odor. So when they use these chemicals, they then have to use more chemicals to mask the chemicals that are in the product. And often they are using fragrance to mask the chemicals. And that's how they're, it's just a double-edged sword with these products. And, um, and a lot of them, unfortunately, are made overseas and are made over in China. Um, so I'm a big proponent of first finding something made in the United States and not finding something that's made overseas and also supporting our country, um, but also really getting to, re, you know, understanding labels. And um, I've taught my nieces and nephews since they've been kids growing up to do this. And I love it to this day because they they read everything on a label and I'll once in a while I'll get a text message and say, Hey T, I don't understand this, this word on this label, is this safe? And they're at the store buying something. And they just know that then, it, you know, they just know that there's certain words you just look for all the time that are in so many uh, different products. T, while you were talking about that, you mentioned about fragrances. So I'd, I'm in a very sophisticated area in my house where I do these podcasts. I'm next to the laundry area. So I thought I'd <laughs> pick up the laundry detergent. From oh. a, I'm not going to say which one. It's made by a company from Procter & Gamble. Yep. And as I look at this, what you're saying is 100% correct. There are a bunch of words on here. And I have a decent education. I, I had the opportunity to get my master's degree. I can't pronounce some of these words, first and foremost. And then I went down towards the end. And what did I see on there? Fragrances. Fragrance. Yeah. That's... That's unbelievable. I, I encourage our listeners to do the same because, you know what, this really makes me think about, okay, what exactly is in here? And obviously this is a product I've used for a very long time, but uh, certainly this, this is very eye-opening. So we've, we've talked about all these items. Is there an area or is there something that you talk about where you basically name products that are safe, that don't have these things on here? 
Oh, definitely. And uh, I think I gave you my website too. I mean, I don't have a store necessarily where I'm selling these products or anything, um, but I do have an Amazon store that I just, because I started, everybody asked me, can you recommend a product? I make about a penny a year on that store. So I'm not trying to push it or anything, but because uh, you know Amazon, they don't really let you make anything off of them. They, they, but um, I do it so people can go and see the products that I use, that I recommend, that are either use very few chemicals or chemicals that are not going to um, potentially harm your uh, immune system or give you headaches. Now. Laundry detergent, I will tell you that if everyone's like, what's the number one product? I, I have two. I can't, I can't decipher between laundry detergent and cleaning products because they're the same in my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, because they, the, the, the chemicals that they're using, you're spraying them in your house, the laundry detergent, you're sleeping in your sheets with these chemicals in them. Whether you can smell the chemical or not, you are sleeping in your sheets and they're on your clothes and they're in your house because you're, you're, you're venting, right? Even though it go and you're venting outside too. Of course, I, I care about our birds and bees too. So, um, so laundry detergent is just, uh, just so, um, horrific and probably the number one thing I get people to change Be and, and, and dryer sheets, dryer sheets don't put, they don't have to put anything on their label. And you just Google how bad dry, dryer sheets are for you and you'll see. So I've gotten more people off dryer sheets. Now, the problem is people grow up with these smells, right? They're, they're, we are so attached to smells in our lives. And it's unfortunate that these companies are making you believe that this smell is something that's clean and your clothes are clean. And unfortunately, they're poisoning you with toxic chemicals. Um, so it takes a little while. But once I get everybody off the fragrance, especially from laundry detergent, because people think their clothes are supposed to smell like that. They start realizing like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I, I didn't know that. I just thought it was, I thought it was lavender. I thought it was a lemon fresh scent. Well, it's not. And so I get them to get rid of it all, start over with some new products that are out there and get some, get some lavender essential oil and put it in with your, your, um, your laundry, if you like some type of smell, but it takes a little while. I mean, it's hard. It's a hard thing transitioning out of getting rid of all these chemicals. But the first thing I try to get people to do is really just start looking at your labels and paying attention to these smells that they are making us believe are, are healthy <laughs> and they're hurting you. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, T, if, if we want to learn more about the uh, world of toxins in our home. You mentioned a website, uh, say it one more time and uh, any other info that you think we should uh, pass along here. Sure, yeah, it's uh, my website is easy. It's thegreenlivinggurus.com. And then I also have, you mentioned at the beginning, I have Tease Organics, which I actually started um, it's an all-purpose cleaner. I have a line of, uh, it's an all-purpose cleaner line. And then it's also um, room sprays because people like, people like things to smell pretty, but I only use um, essential oils and no chemicals in my products. So that's on there too, Tease Organics. And then Instagram, we're um, Green Living Gurus on Instagram. I give a lot of away, a lot of free information all the time. I am out there on a mission to try to get as many people to start avoiding these products. And I give tips on buying new products out there all the time that 
uh, I see on the market that could potentially uh, be an alternative to some products that you're using today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll see if we can't uh, <clears throat> live a little healthier. That's what we're here for. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Ken. The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. All right, Ken, some interesting things happening, and Klops Clips is the place to find out about them. A U.S. model who claims to have the largest implants in the country says she can't take it anymore, and she's having them removed. The 1,250 cc implants. Oh, come on. 1,250 cc implants are apparently the largest legal implant size available here in the U.S. Nalene Ashley says they cost her 17 grand, but are now giving her back problems and migraines. Go figure. She says they also keep her from doing her workout routine. This come as a surprise to anybody? Raise your hand. No? Okay. Well, she does say she's still going to have implants. She's just going to have smaller ones. Didn't they sing a song about here? Come oh, on, uh, Nailene. Uh, no, I'm maybe, sorry. That's come on, Eileen. My bad. I don't know. Okay. That's too, that's too much. Yeah. Speaking of too much, a couple that makes their own <clears throat> adult movies oh, and <laughs> shares on. them online... What? Says they, says they have told their family and friends about their job. Jess and Mike Miller apparently started uploading the videos to a site called OnlyFans four years ago to, to, to cover their mortgage and have a little extra cash. Well, now they're earning more than 46 grand a month. Oh, my Lord. They say their family, including including their family, including their eight and twelve year old kids, are okay oh with this. Oh, they say they they say the eight year old doesn't really understand. Thank goodness for that. The twelve year old said, as long as they're happy and love them, it's not a problem. Happy and love them. I think wow. that's. I think I think that whole thing is a problem. That. It's, it's awkward. We'll leave it at that. That seems really awkward. I, uh, you know, if I have trouble making a mortgage payment, I'd probably not, get a second job at McDonald's first. I don't know. Just, you're not going to do that? I don't. I, I, no. Are you? No. No, okay. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Investigators in Alabama say a man tried to steal a 70-ton crane. 70-ton crane. <laughs> Police say the owner of a towing service contacted them about a man who called him, claiming someone gave him the crane, which was in a wooded area, and he wanted it removed so he could sell it for scrap. The owner of the towing service recognized the crane and contacted the owner, who said, no, 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 he had not given away a 70-ton crane. Cops were called, but not before the 26-year-old suspect drove the crane into a ditch where it got stuck, and then the guy took off. He was oh. later arrested. That's That seems about right. That seems like the perfect ending for that story. 
Ken, I got something I'm going to give you. Oh, what's that? A 70-ton crane. Yep. Oh, uh, I'll put that in the driveway. I won't Throw it have in a driveway, ditch. But, Throw yeah. it in a ditch. Throw it in a ditch. There you go. All right. Well, uh, that concludes <laughs> this week's collection of Klopp's Clips. My uncle named his dogs Rolex and Timex. Why'd he do that? There is watchdogs. That joke was horrible. Wrapping up episode 85, two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Ken, one of my favorite holidays, just a couple days away. How do you plan to celebrate April Fool's Day? Here's the part that's bad. I'm actually in the Rocky River area on my own for the entire week. Oh, So, so I have you, plenty of time to plan to some things. When, when yeah. she gets back? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll do something. Okay. I can't do anything too severe, but yeah, I, I've I've had plenty of time to think about this. Think about I, doing uh, April Fool's for the dog, too. You know, April just Fool's to make for sure. The dog. Yeah, just to make sure everybody's involved. Okay. I remember one year when I was in college, I can't believe I convinced I convinced a fellow radio TV um, uh, student to call my parents and tell them that I had fallen off the lighting scaffold and broken my leg. Nope. And within two minutes of the call, they were like headed to the car. Oh which my point I got on the phone and. I was like, you know, they were like, what, what's going on? What, what's happened? What, what are you doing? I was okay. Maybe this was, maybe I took that one a little too far. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. Oh my. Oh, well, uh, Hey, next week on the show, actually next time on the show, I gotta stop saying next week. I'm still programmed that this is every week and we do this every other week now, but nonetheless, the next time we have a show, we're going to talk to a young lady who's written 15 books in 14 years. Wow. It's actually less than 15 years because uh, 14 years, it's actually less than 14 years because the author Shanti Hen, her, her, Han, uh, uh, Shanti Hershenson, she's only 14 years old. Come on. Yeah. Wow. So we're going to talk to her about being an author while being in middle school or high school. I don't, I don't know what grade she's in, but we'll find out. And, uh, Hear about being an author. We got some catching up to do if we want to write some books, Ken. You think? <laughs> I mean, I, she's writing books. I, I don't know about you, Ted, but it, it's a struggle at times for me to read a book. Yeah, yes. Yes. There you go. Yes. Let alone writing one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Huh. All right, Ken. Well, uh, until next week or two weeks from now, as I continue to fumble on when our next show will be. Uh, Thank you for the time and uh, uh, enjoy celebrating uh, April Fool's Day. I certainly will. And Ted, I know you'll come up with some good stuff for, for everybody at home to keep them on their toes. Just want to give everyone a reminder. We're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two middle-aged men in Cleveland is sponsored by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions. <laughs>